Tonight we're going to continue a series we started two weeks ago uh, entitled Trusting God, uh, where we look through different psalms. And two weeks ago we looked at uh, trusting God uh, in our fear. At psalm 23 last week we looked at Psalm 42 and what it means to trust God in our sadness. And tonight we're going to look at uh, a psalm, Psalm 32, and trusting God with our guilt. And I realize guilt um, is not anyone's favorite topic. No, no one really, uh, well, most people don't love talking about their guilt. We don't love admitting weakness. We don't love uh, admitting when we're wrong or asking for forgiveness for someone or uh, dwelling on the fact that maybe we messed up or we don't measure up. Um, and yet it's something that Christians have historically made a big deal of and actually spend a lot of time thinking and dwelling on. Um, in fact, it even, it even comes up in a week like this week. Um, if you've been around the church for a while, you know this week, even though this week feels really odd and I keep forgetting that this is a big week, uh, but this has historically been known as Holy Week. Uh, in the church. And uh, the most notable uh, of those days in the week is Easter Sunday. Um, but before we celebrate uh, the resurrection, uh, before we celebrate the hope that Jesus defeats death and uh, defeats the power of sin, uh, we mark Good Friday. Uh, Good Friday is the day we mark Jesus' death on the cross. And, and, and that kind of follows the pattern of what's taught in the Bible, is, is that before we can have any joy or hope uh, in God's deliverance, uh, in God's defeat of sin and death, uh, we have to acknowledge our need for him to deliver. Uh, we actually have to admit our need for hope. Um, the hope of Easter uh, is really not that amazing until you understand the depth of our guilt. Uh, or as one pastor once said, uh, until our sin is bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Um, and so this psalm kind of highlights uh, those two things. I'm going to read it in a moment. We're going to look uh, at two things. Uh, the first point will be a lot longer than the second one, but uh, we're going to look at the beauty uh, of forgiven sin, uh, and we're going to look at what it means to live as one who is forgiven. So I'll put up the um, passage here um, on the screen and, uh, or wait, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Here we go. Um, All right, Psalm 32. Blessed, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. 
Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. Oops. Uh, You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, that you hear our prayers. Lord, thank you that you give us psalms, like Psalm 32, Lord, uh, to not only teach us what it looks like to come to you in our guilt, but also, Lord, to widen our imagination as to what it can look like to pray our guilt to you. Uh, Father, we pray tonight, Lord, uh, kind of a strange prayer uh, Lord, but we do pray that, that you would actually uh, reveal our guilt, uh, but much more so and, and much clearer, we pray that you would reveal uh, the forgiveness offered to us in Christ and that that forgiveness would be sweet and shape the way we live. Uh, Father, we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so the, the psalm we just read, Psalm 32, is written uh, by David, and we don't know uh, at exactly what the occasion was for him writing this, uh, but you can tell if, if you look at verses 3 through 5, he's writing and he's reflecting on a time um, when something was going on in his life. Um, he had something he was feeling guilty about, and he tried to hide it and tried not to admit it to God. And rather than that giving him relief, uh, it actually made things worse. When he talks about his strength drying up uh, and his bones, feeling it even to his bones. Um, rather than, uh, yeah, thinking that hiding his sin would give him relief when in actuality hiding his sin and remaining silent actually left him more, more guilty. And so um, I, I, I think you've probably heard me mention this before, but two summers in college, I, I worked at a camp and um, worked at a summer camp in Georgia. It was not a, uh, if you've ever been to a nice camp, uh, this camp was not one of those. So uh, some even to fall conference at Greystone. Imagine like the opposite of that. And um, I remember one day on one of my off periods, walking back to my cabin and I walked past uh, the bathhouse and I heard um, someone in the bathroom and I could tell they were really upset and crying and it turned out it was a camper in there. And um, as I kind of got to understand the facts, uh, I... I quickly gathered that he had uh, pooped his pants and not made it to the bathroom in time, but was now uh, confining himself in the bathroom. Uh, This is in the middle of the summer in Georgia. It's not air conditioned. And so like, 
as a kid or really at any age, um, doing that is not fun. That's bad enough. That, that, that's bad enough to ruin your day. Um, but then he's caught with a conundrum of what do I do? Um, and he clearly did not know what to do. And so he just stayed in the bathroom. I don't know how long he had been there before I got there. Um, but in an effort to kind of prevent people from finding out and prevent, you know, himself having to admit what he had done, uh, he stayed. And and rather than actually making things better, uh, it really made things worse. He's alone. Um, and as he spends more time alone, he starts crying and he's missing. I mean, all of his other friends are at their activities and he's in the bathroom. This is not what he signed up for. And, uh, in an attempt to kind of make things better, he'd actually isolated himself even more. And, and you see that going on here in the psalm. Um, and, and you see that even in our own lives. Uh, this psalm makes clear uh, that, that when we try to do the same with our sin, um, when we see our sin and we feel guilt, and rather than admitting it, we instead remain silent or hide. Uh, we actually invite more guilt and more shame and more isolation. For when I kept silent, verse three, my bones wasted away. Verse five or verse four, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up. Um, it's affecting him even physically. Um, now, I know not everyone here, you may not uh, be convinced of, of what the Bible talks about with regards to sin and guilt, uh, but regardless of what your background is, everyone on earth has a standard uh, and has standards for themselves academically, physically, emotionally, the way we look, the way we come across to others' personality, and no one is meeting all of their standards. It's why there's an epidemic of shame. Um, It's why uh, creating, you know, better versions of ourselves through online personas is not just common. It's almost expected now because there are things about us that we do not like. Um, And that can look like guilt. Uh, We have so many ways uh, to distract us, uh, but... Surely you have felt the weight of not meeting your own expectations uh, or not meeting God's expectations. Now, of course, this can look different for different people. Um, And that's actually something kind of interesting in this passage. I'll pull up the passage again. But in in the first two verses, there's actually uh, three different words uh, that that describe sin. And so he says... uh, here in, uh, sorry, I got to exit this and then present it. Yeah, look, if you see uh, here, he talks about uh, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Um, transgression there is a word that, that refers to kind of outward rebellion, uh, rebellion against God. Um, and, and maybe for you, that could be doing something outwardly rebellious. Maybe it's doing something like that you said that you would never do or doing something that you told your parents you would never do in college. Um, 
but, but it can also be in, in other subtle ways too. It, it might also be, you know, maybe you know God calls you to, to lay down your life for others. Um, or he calls you to trust him and obey him and, and subtly, and maybe even in your own mind, you begin to think, no, I'd kind of just rather do my own thing. Um, that, that, that's transgression. Uh, sin, the, the next word he uses right here, uh, blessed are those whose sin is covered. Sin refers, that, that word refers to falling short of God's law, uh, the sense that you do not measure up. Uh, God calls, he calls us in his word to be holy as he is holy. Uh, he calls us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Um, and sin is the word to describe when we do not do that, whether to disobedience or not measuring up. Um, and then lastly, he has this word iniquity. Iniquity is this word that, that kind of refers to like the corruption of ourselves. Uh, when we do not live as God has called us to live, uh, it means that like we get kind of messed up personally. Like we don't love the right things. Uh, we end up loving things that we ought not to love and spend time doing things that we ought not to do. And then the very things that like we think we should be doing, we don't do. Um, that is iniquity. It, it, it's corruption. And so uh, I don't know what, it, what it's been for you uh, this season. Maybe, maybe, uh, this has been a season of rebellion, or maybe this is a season where you've just felt like throwing in the towel with regards to trusting, uh, or obeying God. Or maybe it's a season when you kind of have seen, um, in HD, the, the way that, that you do not, that, that your loves are all out of order that you love this world way more than you love God, that you love people's opinions way more than you love God's opinions. Um, and so what do we do when that happens? We, we don't, you don't have to spend too long to acknowledge uh, that these are all struggles, that there are so many different ways in which we fall short. And so if you're like me... Uh, these situations can be hard. It can be confusing because on the one hand, you you see things in yourself that you think, okay, I know I need to change. I know I need to admit this to God. I know I need to confess this. Uh, but on the other hand, there's a sense in which you realize that's hard. I, I, I don't like doing that. Um, Obviously, we're quarantined right now, and that uh, means we have a lot of time with our four kids. And so one game we play a fair amount of is hide-and-go-seek. And when you have a seven, five, and three-year-old, you kind of have different levels of expertise in hide-and-go-seek. And our oldest is at the age, he kind of knows all the good hiding spots. He knows how to be quiet. Five-year-old's pretty much getting it. Three-year-old is kind of on the fence where it's kind of like... I like hiding, but I also kind of like being with my parents and I kind of want them to find me. And um, I think in a way, we do the same thing with our sin. Um, there's a sense in which when we see our sin and our guilt, uh, we, want, uh, we, we want to bring that to the forefront. We want to be found out. Uh, but at the same time, we know that being exposed hurts. Um, and, and I think we have to ask ourselves, why, why are we afraid? Why is there that tension? 
in our hearts? Why do we go back and forth between thinking, okay, I need to confess this, but then also worrying? I think, you know, after being in this job for a number of years, a lot of our shakiness with confessing to God is actually our estimation and our projecting of what we think God is like. And what you see in this passage and what you see all throughout Scripture is that we have a God who is actually more willing to forgive sinners than we are willing to ask for forgiveness. I always remember my pastor telling me that. He was my, my pastor and professor. He said, we have a God who is more willing to forgive than we are willing to ask for forgiveness. Um, you see this kind of, if, there, if there's a passage in scripture uh, that, that illustrates this best, it, it's the prodigal son. If you're not familiar with that, it's, it's, it's a parable Jesus tells of what God's kingdom is like. And he tells the story of a son who takes his dad and dad's inheritance. And he says, I want the inheritance now. And he goes off and completely wastes it, completely wastes his father's money, completely ruins his reputation. And he realizes after he spent all the money, I'm an idiot. My father's servants eat better than me. And so he goes back home, wondering, hoping maybe he'll be treated as well as a servant. And he's kind of walking back with his tail tucked between his legs. And while he's a far way off, the dad runs to him and welcomes him home and throws a feast and puts a ring on his finger. Uh, And Jesus tells us that is the way the father responds when sinful people turn to him. God delights. God doesn't just accept us when we come to him as we are. He actually delights in forgiving sinners who turn to him. It's his joy. Uh, He loves it. He takes great pleasure. He rejoices over us and dances over us with singing. That's who our God is. Uh, David here is struggling in this passage. Again, we, we don't know exactly what the sin is, uh, but he's struggling what to do. And then finally, you see in verse 5, he admits everything. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess, confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Notice how immediate it is. He doesn't just confess it and God, you know, kind of deliberates, okay, we'll get back to you soon. No, he, he confesses and immediately, the, immediately his sin was forgiven. He forgave the iniquity of my sin. And that's why he's able to start off the Psalm saying blessed. That word blessed literally means happy. Happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Happy is the one whose sin is covered. Happy is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. The Lord counts a lot of things. He knows the number of the stars. He knows the hairs on your head. But for those who have admitted their sin to God, he does not count your sin. He doesn't count your sin against you. Uh, Two Christmases ago, I remember reading this article uh, and this has kind of become a, a common thing. I think, I think a couple of rich celebrities have done something similar to this. But Tyler Perry in 2018 um, paid off uh, 
layaway accounts at two Walmart stores in Atlanta. Uh, and the amount, so if you're not familiar with layaway, uh, basically you can go and buy something and if you don't have the money to pay for it, Walmart can give you a payment plan saying, okay, you wanna buy this TV? Great, we'll set up a payment plan um, or we'll keep it on layaway until you can get it for us. He went to two Walmart stores and paid off over 1,400 layaway accounts, uh, which totaled to over, uh, let me get the number here, $432,000. Um, he paid off the debt of over 1,400 people amounted to $432,635. Um, obviously, the people were thrilled. Uh, in fact, it said there was one lady at the, at the cash, she found out at the cash register and she stopped right there and praised Jesus. Um, obviously, anyone for whom that would happen would be thrilled. Um, but who would be the most thrilled? Uh, not the person that had put like, you know, a hairdryer, maybe it was a really nice hairdryer, on layaway, but like maybe the person that had bought like bedroom furniture um, whose debt was really high. Uh, those whose debt was really high were the most thrilled. Uh, and the same is true in Christianity. Those who know their sin the most, those who know the depths of their sin and the ways they've rebelled, the ways they've thrown in the towel, the ways they have not cared for other people, uh, then and only then when you see the depth of your sin is Jesus' death good news? Is forgiveness good news? Is the resurrection good news? Um, and you notice uh, in, in the Tyler Perry illustration, it, it's not like the debt just disappeared in, into thin air. Someone had to pay the debt. And, and in the same way, our sin doesn't just disappear. Uh, when God forgives the iniquity of our sin, when he covers our sin. Um, it's not like he just blinks and it goes away. No, that sin is paid for. It goes back to what we said earlier. It, it's, actually what we, it's actually what we celebrate on Good Friday. Good Friday is not a good day um, for Jesus. It is a great day for us. It's good in that Jesus gets what he wants. He gets his bride. He gets his children. But he's the one who suffers uh, so that we might have life. Uh, and he, his blood actually covers our sin and covers our iniquity. Uh, and so what that means, um, we fear judgment. Uh, we fear the consequences of our sin. Um, and what this passage tells us is not that there are not earthly consequences. This doesn't mean, guess what, if you acknowledge your sin to God, then all all the consequences and pain are done. No, if you cheat on a test, you might still fail that class. Uh, but what this does mean is that when you acknowledge your guilt to God, your ultimate judgment day, because there is coming a day where God will return as judge and king. But for those who are in Christ, that judgment day is moved from the future to the past. You, you no longer have to fear judgment day. Your judgment day has already happened. Jesus took on the judgment for you so that you can live. And, and that's why he says in verse six, therefore, let everyone who is God, this is, this, is my, this is my application to you. How do we live as forgiven people? 
How do you live as forgiven people? You come to God and you enjoy him and you enjoy his presence. Verse six, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. I don't know about you, but sometimes those words like the righteous and the godly in the Bible, sometimes I don't always know what to do with those, but, um, and we're often tempted to think, oh, godly, that means the people who do not mess up. Uh, the godly are those who um, haven't, they just do a great job of not sinning. Uh, well, that can't be the case in this passage because he's just described someone who's admitted sin. Godliness is not the absence of sin. Mm. Being a godly person is not someone who's able just to kind of manage their sin and make it come across as if they don't sin. No, true godliness, to, to be someone who's godly, is to actually be someone who's able to admit that they are a broken sinner in need of saving. That's true godliness. That's true righteousness is to, to find your hope in Christ's faithfulness and not your own. Um, and look, I need to hear that and we need to hear that. Obviously, it's a Wednesday night and we've all chosen to log on to a Zoom call. And so uh, for many of us, uh, we can easily fall into the trap of thinking that godliness is merely just doing the right things. Um, godliness is far deeper than that. Uh, Jesus cares way more about you admitting your sin than he does about you just coming across to other people as godly or as someone who has got their act together. Um, rejoice in this. This is the way the passage ends. Um, many are the sorrows of the wicked. Who are the wicked? Those who, who, who refuse to acknowledge their sin. Their sorrow and their shame will continue, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Uh, how do we be glad and how do we shout for joy? Uh, only when we see the good news that we are desperate and without hope, apart from God rescuing us. And so let's take some time to pray. I'm going to pray and we'll Take time to confess uh, our sins. So, Father, we come to you tonight. And, Lord, I pray right now uh, and admit my need for you. Lord, uh, all of these sins you described, I am guilty of. We are guilty of. Lord, we have sinned in rebellious ways. Lord, we have sinned and not measured up to the calling that you've placed on us. Lord, the effects of sin are so deep in us that they've corrupted us, Lord, to where we don't even know uh, what to do often. Uh, we often turn your kingdom upside down and, and make a big deal out of things that you condemn and do not pay attention to the things that you encourage us to. And so, Father, we need your forgiveness. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves to forgive sin. God, would we never lose sight of that, God? We confess the way, Lord, not just the things we've done, but Lord, we, we confess the way that we totally warp who you are. Uh, Lord, might we never forget uh, who you are, that you are the God who comes after the lost sheep who delights in repentant sinners. And so, Lord, would you give us the courage 
and the honesty and the boldness and the stillness, Lord, to sit and to actually acknowledge our sin. And not to stay there, Lord, but also to delight in the fact that you forgive sinners. Lord, David, who wrote this psalm, killed people, committed adultery, all while king. Father, we might be tempted to believe our sins are too big. And Lord, this passage is yet another reminder that there is no sin too great. There is no one beyond the reach of God's grace. And so we thank you for that good news in Christ's name. Amen.